everyone. It's welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast and my name is Nina Sunday and I'm delighted to have my guest today, Gabrielle Dolan, who is an expert in corporate storytelling, how to increase brand loyalty, how to increase customer loyalty through telling the stories that make a difference. And uh, Gabrielle has a master's in leadership and management. She studied at Harvard. She's written five books and she's about to launch her sixth you are just amazing with uh, the writing, Gabrielle. <laughs> I know, Nina. It's good to be here. Look, I, I was, um, if someone had told me 10 years ago that I would write one book, I wouldn't have believed them, let alone six. But yeah, it's um, every time I write a book, I think, okay, I'm done there. There's nothing else to see here. Oh, but things happen and I just go, right, I'm going to write a book about that too. The thing is, when you open up your uh, your brain to ideas, it doesn't stop just because you finished a book. The ideas keep flowing. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely. And you just keep writing. And and you know, it's funny this, when I work with clients, um, that what they do inspires me as well. And you know, you I keep develop. You keep developing your thinking, and you you see things where people go, "Oh, they're not doing that right," or you see things where they should be doing it. And you go, it's "Such a missed opportunity." Um, so you go, okay, maybe I should write a book and teach them how to do it better. Exactly. So you've you've niched into the corporate storytelling area. So perhaps you can tell us why storytelling is so important inside uh, inside an organisation. Mm. Well, Nina, I actually used to work in corporates. I spent 17 years of my life working for National Australia Bank. Um, you know, the last few years there was in senior leadership roles, was in change management, project management roles. So I guess I experienced firsthand the challenges of communicating. So as a leader, you think you've communicated, um, but then people aren't getting the message. You're trying to, you know, we were trying to roll out significant change across NAB and people weren't getting the message. So I experienced firsthand the challenges of um, communication. And so I started, I guess, to experiment with storytelling. Um, and what I noticed is that when I did share a story to communicate a message, people actually understood it better, understood the message better, and more importantly, remembered the message. And, um, and then I noticed that the really good leaders were sharing stories, the great communicators were sharing stories, and I'd go to conferences, you know, when you go to like I say a three-day conference and you see speaker after speaker after speaker, and there's some brilliant ones. What I noticed, the brilliant ones were brilliant because they were sharing stories. So I left NAB well, 16 years ago now and have been teaching business people how to communicate more effectively with stories because yes, we need all the facts and the figures and the data, but it's the stories that create that emotional connection. And as humans, that's what we need to help people actually communicate in a more genuine, authentic, and most importantly, effective way. And from what from what I understand about presenting, people make decisions based on emotion, but they then search for the evidence to support that emotional decision. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I often think a lot of change fails in organisations because we try to lead it and communicate it through logic. And, and as you said, Nina, and all the very good salespeople know that people buy on emotion, 
and they justify it on logic and they rationalize their decision on logic. And whether you're buying a pair of shoes or the latest, you know, iPhone or buying into a new change or a culture strategy or new values or purpose or mission, you're doing that based on emotion. And yes, of course, the logic has to be there. But first, the emotion is the most important thing. So can you give us a brief description of an effective story? Yeah, look, one of the stories, it's it's one of the most popular stories in my book. It's uh, it's the one people always comment on and it's it's about Barbie. So the, you know, the brand Barbie, the doll Barbie. I, growing up, I was a, I was a bit of a tomboy. I, you know, skateboard, BMX bike, cricket, football, that's all I played with. I never played with dolls and I never had a Barbie. And so when, um, you know, over the last, decade or so when Barbie was being shamed as being a bad role model for girls and women because of this unrealistic body she had, I happily played into that story and believed that story. It was only um, about a year ago, actually, when I started researching for the book, I came across the backstory of Barbie. And Barbie was invented by Ruth Handler. Ruth Handler is the wife of the co-founder of Mattel. And what she noticed was when her two children, Ken and Barbara, and yes, Ken and Barbie are named after her children, when they were playing with their respective dolls, what she noticed is both of them pretended to be adults. But with Barbara, all Barbara could play with as an adult doll was seeing her in the role of caregiver where Ken had dolls that encouraged him to be, you know, an astronaut, a a firefighter, a doctor. And so she pitched the idea to the exec team at Mattel to do like a 3D doll with fabric clothing and like in an adult body. And there was initially there was massive pushback, but she persisted. And um, Barbie launched in 1959 at the New York Toy Fair and sort of, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But what what I loved about Ruth Handler is quoted as saying, my whole philosophy of Barbie was that through the doll, the little girl could be anything she wanted to be and that Barbie always represented the fact that a woman has choices. And when I heard that story, Nina, it completely changed my opinion of Barbie and the brand. So not only changed my opinion of the brand Barbie, but will influence my future purchasing decisions. So I never I never bought a Barbie for my two daughters, but you know, maybe future grandkids, maybe I'm going to buy them one. Um, and so th- that's that's the power of the story. We can it, it can just completely influence people um, and you can have this human connection with them. Yes, and so it's an origin story. It's like how it came about. And sometimes there's greater respect when you understand there was a time when there was no Barbie and that, in fact, someone had to uh, lobby and persuade and be persistent in order for it to to uh, come, into, uh, come into fruition. Mm-hmm. But, in fact, there was a really uh, inclusive uh, goal behind it. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's I call those, in the books I call them creation stories. So it's either how the company started, so the origin founder story, sometimes they're called, or how the product started. And um, But the reality is I, I think if people, I've blogged about this and, I, and you know, my audience is, I guess my audience is similar to me, and I've blogged about it and the amount of people that have said that has just completely changed my opinion of of Barbie and it, and it does that. So it is finding these stories of either how the company started or how the product started. And it normally does 
come about from something like this, as opposed to what we don't want to see is a timeline of, of you know, a company, because that's not a story. Well, it almost is giving the why. Why did this yep. come into existence? And so people tend to have a bigger picture awareness of, of the, the contributing benefit if they understand what actually generated uh, this to come into being. So, so do you think that managers in, in, in organisations with their teams should actually have more, uh, express more corporate memory, more stories that the, if they've been around for longer than some of the team members, they should really be telling stories about the early days when they were there. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's a good point, Nina, when you said about corporate memory, that's exactly what I sort of go into companies and say, you don't want to lose your corporate memory because there's going to be a huge amount of stories that have happened. It could have been just happened a year ago, but it could have happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago that those stories would still be valuable to hear and share. So it is, a, it is about um, a case of going in, teaching people the value of storytelling educating the leaders so they can actually share stories more effectively, but finding those stories, finding stories from the past that we can use to almost inspire the future um, and, you know, like show the vision or the values and the behaviours of what, we, what we're trying to live by as a company. Are there any secrets to actually finding those stories? <laughs> there, is, there is a few secrets. Um, <laughs> Well, I was going to say, one, one is get me in to work for you. But no, I'm a, when it, I, I, what you don't want to do, I think what I see a lot of people go, well, we want to find stories of, let, let's say, customer service. So we want to be known for customer service. We, got, we want to find stories of customer service. The biggest mistake we can do is say to people, tell me a story about this. Because when you say, tell me a story, they'll go, oh, Oh, I, I sort of did. There was a good customer, but it, it's not really a story. And they, they think it has to be something really grand when you ask to tell a story. But if you, if you pose questions like, um, tell me a time when one of your uh, peers did something for a customer that made a difference to them. And so what you hear is a story, um, you know, it could be, tell me a time when you felt really proud to work for this organisation. So stories like that, you're going to hear um, questions like that. You're going to hear stories of a whole range of things. And that will give you an indication of what employees truly feel proud about. And, you know, perhaps those, they're the ones you should be communicating more widely across the organization so it's it's bringing people together so sometimes I bring um, people together in an organization you might have about 20 people some from the front line staff senior people less junior people and asking them those questions and what happens is someone will tell a story and then someone will go oh yeah that reminds me of and in a in two hours, you could probably hear 50 stories. Now, you may not use all 50, but you might get five or 10 that are absolute gold that you could be sharing. And Nina, what happens every time I run those sessions, people at the end go, oh, my God, I just feel so, so proud to work here. I feel so engaged because of their hearing what their employees have done. That's fa that's fabulous. And I don't know, it, it, it almost might change the mix if you found a way to record them or not videoing maybe but could you maybe do a keep a dictation of it you know that we have these apps on our phones would that uh impede people actually telling the story do you think 
No, it doesn't. I don't actually do record them. So I just, I don't literally do that. I record them on my phone and only because a phone, you know, people sort of almost forget it's being recorded. So it, it, it's, it's there. That is really just to get an initial, like a, the raw recording. Then you can decide, well, what do you want to do with this? So it could be written up and shared maybe on your website or in a newsletter or the annual report. You could, what I've seen is some people go back and do video you know, the actual person retelling the story again. So you could do that. Um, so you can become really quite creative. A lot of um, a lot of companies have things like Yammer, for example. Yes. It was like, why don't we just either type it up and put it on Yammer or quickly just record yourself on the phone. It doesn't have to be, you know, perfect and put that on Yammer. So it's a, it's a process of finding stories from the past Part of the education process around brand storytelling is once we now know the power of stories, we, we capture them in the moment. So it's almost like, cap, you know, find someone doing the right thing and then how can you share that story? And, of course, there are transcription services like Rev.com that, you know, in a, in a heartbeat will give you the transcription. And yeah, absolutely. And compile a little ebook. Uh, of all the best stories, mm. I've had, I've actually had a couple of clients that have produced not only an ebook but a paper book, almost like a coffee style book of uh, their leaders sharing their personal story around the values. So I've actually done that. Um, stories, these stories should be the basis of any induction program. So, for example, how do you just find these stories and they're shared by the leaders in induction programs? So it, it is it is um, thinking about where you can share them all over the place, both internally and externally. Sounds like stories uh, about origin and about case studies of how uh, the team is, uh, what some, somebody did or what the team did made a difference. This is this sounds very motivating for, uh, for both um, people that maybe have been there for a while that might be a little bit jaded <laughs> and need to remember how much good they're doing in the world. And of course, it's inspiring for, for the new people coming on board. Mm. We did um, a couple of years ago. I did some work with Australia Post, and it was a, it was over about a, a over a year, twelve month period, and we would um, pulled we'd pull people together for a day and a half. And on the second day, I ran storytelling training with them. And these were, it was about, it was over a thousand people across Australia Post. It wasn't the leaders; it was people from all over the place. It was like influencers, so it, it wasn't by hierarchy. After they did the session, they did their employee engagement survey, which they do every, you know, two years. The people that had had attended those sessions, their employee engagement was 13 percentage points higher than anyone else in the organisation. Now, 13 percentage points is a massive, massive increase. And it was because, yes, they would in those they felt special going to those sessions, but they were hearing all these stories and they, they become really engaged in the company's purpose and in their values and, and they felt proud of it. Sounds to me like there, there should be a long list of companies that want to uh, bring you in to do such a <laughs> uh, staff uh, storytelling day. Well, thanks, Nita. Um, and there, there is quite a lot of companies that, that do bring me in to do that because it has, like it just has 
so many benefits. First of all, teaching people the power of storytelling, it means they're leading better, it means they're communicating better, it means they're presenting better. Um, but it's finding and sharing these stories has this ripple effect across the whole organisation where it, it increases employee engagement and, um, you know, brand loyalty. And then and then we can start figuring out how do we get these stories out to our customers as well as our um, employees. Right. And are some stories actually case studies or is that different? Uh, look, I, I do, I do, I think stories and case studies are different. Not typically a case study would be very factual, as in this was the problem, what we did, this is how we resolved it, uh, this was the result, the outcome, or whatever. I, I run a company on storytelling and I absolutely use case studies. In fact, one of one of my previous books is called Stories for Work, and the last three chapters are case studies, and I actually call them case studies. In the in the most recent book, however, and I'll get to you because sometimes they can be what I call case stories. So in, in the recent book, I, there's five what you'd, I guess, what I would have called case studies, but I deliberately wrote them in a way that brought in the personal aspects of the people I was talking to. So they do feel more like stories but there's still I guess a bit of information about what happened and what was the outcome so I call them case stories so I think the way you write a case study could fall over to a story and a story is a real uh, event that occurred it's not a made-up story it's not fiction Correct, correct. And, and that's another thing a lot of companies use hypotheticals and say we, we do storytelling. I go, that's a hypothetical. It's, you know, if, if something's got a different name besides story, it's because it's not a story. So a hypothetical, useful, really good for scenario planning, um, but it's a hypothetical. So let's call it that. It's the same with a case study. Case studies provide really valuable information, but they're not a story. So they're called a case study. So um, yes, stories have to be true in my opinion. Exactly, exactly. And they can uh, generate any emotion. It might generate laughter. It might generate a tear mm, and yeah. any point in between. Yeah, and, and absolutely. The, like it's almost what makes a story a story is there is some emotional connection, but you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to sort of say what emotion am I trying to elicit from the story because people will feel different emotion. And, yeah, and it can be anything from, hope and fear which the two extremes to anything in the middle to you know to pride sometimes people share stories about their kids or their parents and the emotion you see is pride um, or they share something and the emotion you feel is regret but it's you don't it's actually you don't even have to name the emotion you don't even know what it is the point is there's an there's an emotion response there's an emotional connection and that's the that's the real power in storytelling sharing stories and you're probably well aware of Ara Glass and the podcast This American Life, which is all about stories, a very mm. popular podcast. I was listening to uh, Ira talking about storytelling and he said, when you tell a story, it, at the very end there should be some reflection point where you talk a little bit about the lesson learnt or, you know, like a big picture an uh, overview back on the story. Do, is that something you encourage in, in workplace stories yeah it is but it's it's very subtle it's very subtle so what what I don't what I don't suggest is you end your story with so the moral of the story is you don't want to be ending your story that way you um you could certainly end your story with the lesson I learned from that but there has to be there's got to be a reason there's got to be like this subtle call to action but it actually has to be 
really subtle. So um, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I worked I worked with a company and um, you know teaching all their leaders storytelling to communicate the values. And one of the values was integrity. And this is the story that one of the leaders, so I'm very big on sharing, how do you share personal stories to communicate company values? So this is the story one of the leaders shared around integrity. And, I, and I'll do this because at the end, you, you will see what I mean by this call to action or reflection. She said, um, in the early 60s, my dad was a professional swimmer and he reached the point in his career where he tried out for the National Swim Squad. And on the day of the meet, he was apparently winning his race, but he got to the end and he did the tumble turn and he slightly misjudged, so he missed the wall. Now, this was in the early 60s, so it was way before, you know, technology and sensors. They had judges, but with all the splashing and kicking, he knew they wouldn't know if he hit, if he touched the wall or not. But he had to make a split-second decision. Does he go back and touch the wall or does he just keep going? And he went back and touched the wall. Now, you don't really recover from that, and, and he didn't. He never placed in the race and he never, ever made the swim squad. And I would often say to dad, do you regret going back to touch the wall? And he would say, I've never regretted that because if I didn't go back and touch the wall, I'd have to spend the rest of my life doing, knowing I did the wrong thing. And I'm sharing this with you because it reminds me of our value integrity. It's only a matter of time before we will come across our own go back and touch the wall moment and I invite you to consider what my dad would do. That is a fabulous example, Gabrielle. Yeah. I think every one of us have has at least one or more or of several. those stories where we either didn't go back and touch the wall mm. or we did. And yeah. uh, I think in some respects there are regrets either way. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean through yeah. that story, that like that leader shares that story for every every time someone comes and works for her, she shares that story. Right. And and what is she has said to me, the reason she shares it, because in her own words, she goes, I know the heavy lifting it does, because when they come to that point where they've got to make a decision this way or that way. She said, instead of the standard, well, technically we don't have to, legally we're not obliged to, someone will say, this is our go back and touch the wall moment. And she goes, and the decision's made instantly because everyone knows what the right thing is to do. So when I look at company values, it was like, unless you're sharing, unless your leaders are sharing personal stories like that to communicate the company values, your values will remain as words on a wall. That's, that's where they'll stay. And it's through these stories that they come to life. And not only that, Gabrielle, you've created a common language because that's a shortcut. Yep. And that's a touch the wall story. Well, everybody in the company now knows what that means. And it just shortcuts the uh, awareness around it. You do say there are five types of stories. So we talked about creation stories and uh, what else? Yeah, so the, uh, culture story. So that story I just shared then is what I would consider a culture story is about the company. So leaders sharing personal stories around the values, which to me, the values is the culture. Um, and you can also be sharing stories. So you, when we talked about finding employees doing the right thing, they're also culture stories. So they're two types of culture stories. And then I think the other three stories, and they all start with C because I like a good palette. Um, the other stories are customer stories. So sharing stories about your customers and not necessarily what you do for your customers, but just maybe make, make, your, make 
customer's the hero. Don't, don't make it sound like a testimonial or make stories about your customers, stories about the community. So again, what is the company doing in the community? But also what are your employees? Your employees might just be doing some really lovely things in their community. So make your employees the heroes. And then the other one is challenge stories. So how have you responded to challenge? And we've, we've seen a huge amount of those stories come out of um, COVID over the last 12 months. Um, my, my advice is look for a variety of stories. Don't get too hung up on like going, oh, is this a challenge story or is it a community story? It could be both. So don't get too hung up on what they are. Just try to find a variety of them that demonstrate your brand. That's, that's what we're trying to do. But know what you want to be known for and share these stories that demonstrate it. And tell us a bit about Magnetic Stories, your new book that's coming out. Yeah, well, Magnetic Stories, it's, it's, um, it's around how you connect with customers and engage employees with brand storytelling. That, that's the tagline. Um, the idea of the concept of magnetic, so if you think about that Barbie story, like that, when I heard that story, it was like an instant, an instant connection that I will probably never forget. I will probably never forget that story, so it's hard to pull away. So I wanted, I wanted to call the book something that reflected that, and so... That's what a magnet does. You know, when you've got a magnet, like instant connection, it's hard to pull away from. Um, I remember when I was thinking of the title, my husband suggested Teflon stories. And I went, that is like the complete opposite <laughs> of what? So, um, stories, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Non sticky stories. Yeah, it's like, which is, you know, Teflon's great when you're cooking an egg, not when you want to tell a story. So, it really, the books, the books for either individuals, or companies, regardless of size, whether it's a small entrepreneur, small company, or a large multinational, it's for companies that, that are sort of going, okay, well, we know we we know we want we know what we want to be known for, like we've got our brand, but how do we bring that to life through stories? So the book's about, you know, it talks about the power of story, obviously. It talks about those five types of stories, and there's a whole heap of examples. Um, and then it tells you how to implement it. And the thing I love about the book is there's so many inspiring stories. I mean, truly, even if you didn't want to implement brand storytelling, I'd just be reading this book because there is so many fabulous stories. Like Barbie, the Barbie story is just one story. So many great examples in there of individuals and companies doing some amazing things. It seems to me that if any company doesn't have any compilation of all the stories uh, involved in their origin and uh, as they've gone along, that they, they, there's really a gap in their, yeah. their whole um, values and uh, way of, of creating loyalty, both within uh, teams and also with their customers. Yeah, I think, Nina, I think it, uh, to me it's this, you, you said it's a gap. I think it's just a, it's a really missed opportunity. It's like there's so much richness in stories and we just, there's some people that still don't think, don't understand the value of them. And so I, I look at some companies and, you know, the stories sort of come out. I was like, why aren't you sharing them? Because it's just, so to me, it's a missed opportunity if companies aren't finding these stories and sharing them. And it's a missed opportunity to attract customers and attract and, you know, engage employees. So a manager that wants to stand out might order a copy of your book 
one for each person in their team and then <laughs> ask them to read it and then say, okay, let's start telling one story every team meeting. Would that be a way to get going? That, that could absolutely be a way. There's a lot of companies that have got a really strong value around safety and they already do that. So they start their, you know, meetings with a safety share story. Um, might, you know, absolutely still keep doing that around safety, but there's other values that we could give the same amount of airtime too. So, yes, I, I think, Nina, your advice is very strong. Just buy a copy of my book for <laughs> everyone in your organisation well, and course, start from there. Of course, it's also the, the high EQ manager, the high emotionally intelligent manager, stories around empathy, stories around being human, stories around cutting red tape for the customer because it just needed to be done because their situation was just so unique. It didn't fit the mold. Those mm -hmm. are great stories that create brand loyalty. Yeah, absolutely. The, look, the really good leaders, the, the high IQ leaders or EQ leaders, as you said there, um, they get storytelling. They might not know how to do it, but they get it. Um, and they're actually prepared to share stories that show a little bit of vulnerability. Like, you know, when they didn't do it, like when they got it wrong, um, they can be some of the most powerful stories. I, I did some work with a, a company in Vietnam and I worked with them, you know, for like over about a year, spent a lot of time with them to help them find stories and communicate them. And the CEO said they're an investment company, so they need companies to invest in them. Um, the CEO said his biggest learning is he shares a story of their biggest mistake, the biggest mistake the company made and the biggest mistake he made as CEO. And he said initially he was reluctant to do that and think, you know, God, they're going to think we're idiots. Um, but the opposite happens. That He said that's that's the most powerful story that he shares. Um, and it's, it's, again, so it's understanding the power of it and knowing how to do it well because I might be a little bit biased because I teach people, but if people don't know how to tell stories well, because there's a very big difference between sharing stories with our friends down the pub and sharing stories in work. And I've, it's like watching a train wreck when I see someone try to tell a story that doesn't know what they're doing. And it, and it can actually have a really, it can backfire really badly and have a really negative impact. So there's actually a, a bit of a template or a structure that the story should, or path that the story should take. Yeah, absolutely. Like in my training workshops, I take people through, you know, how to be clear on the message. So how to be clear on your brand, where to find the stories, um, how to tell a story. So, you know, how to start your story, what to put in the middle, how to end it. So we're not, you know, we're not starting our stories with, let me tell you a story and we're not ending it with, so the moral of the story is. Um, and just That's knowing- like wearing your clothes with the seams on the outside. Yeah, exactly. And just knowing sometimes they can put something in, not realizing that that's going to really disconnect with people. Um, and just, just so just know, it, it's a skill. It's an absolute. So I teach a framework which gives them um, the, the capability to do it. And I think most importantly, the confidence to do it. So, and without that, people either, well, they don't have the capability, they don't have the confidence, which means they're not going to do it or they're going to give it a crack and it probably won't work as well. And then they won't try it again. And so, of course, if a company wants you to come in and work with their people, is it about, is it usually just one day or can it be longer or can you do a short piece as part of an offsite or... 
Yeah, look, it, it sort of varies, but mo- a lot of the time it's probably a half-day workshop oh. to a full-day workshop. Right. And then some, like some companies, like the company I talked about in Vietnam, I actually spent three days with them. Mm. Um, and then a few months later, I came back and did another two days. So they, they, had a, they had a very big agenda around storytelling. Like they, the way they implemented brand storytelling was sensational. But yeah, it, it really come... It, sort of depends like sometimes uh, companies just want their leaders to get better at storytelling just to be better communicating so you know a half day workshop's fine for that but if if they're pretty serious around how do we implement brand storytelling um that's that's sort of a longer term project i can work with them and and educate their employees and their leaders on how to do it well well thanks gabrielle it's been fascinating delving into the world of telling stories in the workplace and of course uh we'll put in the show notes where how people can contact you but magnetic stories will be hitting the uh, bookshelves very soon well it's out it, it, it's uh we're pretty much first of march it comes out so right right I'm sure we are we are be published soon after so it'll yeah, be already available it'll be already out published by wiley and uh, plus all your other uh, books, but Mag, obviously you, you probably get better and better as you as you write the next book. So this is probably the culmination. <laughs> yeah, Nina, well, Nina, you hope you get better, um, and I do think I'll get better. But it, but seriously, I the amount of people that have read this book that have read my other books and the overwhelming response has been, I think this is your best book, and so I'm pretty happy about that. So. Well, it's been an honour and a privilege to uh, speak with you today, Gabrielle, and thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Nina. You've been listening to Gabrielle Dolan on Manage Self, Lead Others. And if you like this uh, podcast today and want to hear futures, just subscribe. And we always value somebody giving us a positive rating. So thanks once again, Gabrielle. All the best. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.